Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Productivity Pod. If you're new to the show, the Productivity Pod is a conversation about the changing work landscape, working smarter, and of course, productivity. I'm your host, Richard Pollack, and I have made my career helping companies all over the world get the most out of and do the most for their workforce. I don't really believe, this is maybe surprising to you, but I don't believe in work-life balance. I think that work is life and life is work. It's integrated. The people who are successful find a way to create the synergy between the two. Some high achievers sacrifice too much of their work, leaving them less filled with life and then potentially unhappy. So there is a balance I don't refer to as a work-life balance, but it's all part of life. That's why. On this episode of the Productivity Pod, I'll be sitting down with Ed Beltran. Ed Beltran is the CEO of Fierce Inc., a company that teaches companies how to have better conversations, where he brings 20 years of experience and expertise in finance and operations. Prior to joining Fierce, Ed was head of finance with large multinational organizations such as Allegiant Technologies, Advent, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Arthur Anderson, as well as advising and supporting startups and early stage companies. Ed is an avid road bike cyclist, clocking 120 plus miles a week year-round, helping his mental, physical, and spiritual balance, as he puts it. He is passionate about helping those who don't have the privilege, background, or resources to be fully prepared to engage in effective conversations at different levels in life. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. Tell us, Ed, what fascinating background. What brought you to Fierce and why the quality of conversations is so important? Yeah, thank you, Richard. Yeah, just like you mentioned in kind of the opening, I have the great opportunity to work in large multinational companies as well as startups. And that gave me the opportunity to see great leaders and great cultures up close. And unfortunately, or fortunately, ones that weren't so great. And I saw very clearly how these two directly correlated to the results and impact that the company would make. So about four years ago, when I was looking to make a transition, I wasn't only looking for a place where I could come in and build up finance and operation departments, as well as digital transformations, but also a place that I was passionate to work and was making a real positive impact on lives. So Susan Scott, who's the founder of Fierce, wrote a book called Fierce Conversations. And there was one passage that made me literally just pause and stop in my place. And what it said was, what missed or failed conversations got you to this place? And it made me stop and really think through it because it resonated in both my professional and personal life. And as I thought about undesired situations I found myself in in life, it became clear that there were conversations that I missed or avoided or that I just didn't handle as well as I could have. And at Fierce, we believe that the conversation is the relationship. And when you think about conversations, they're that navigating force of your gradualies that lead you to your suddenlies. So what that really means is that the end results of whatever you're doing, that's your suddenly, and it's really a culmination of successful and failed conversations, your gradualies. And now I'm so thankful to be here as the CEO to really help transition and take the company to the next level of new solutions for our customers. So in a nutshell, that's why I'm here at Pierce. (laughs) Okay, so talk to us about how people can improve their communication abilities. Because this is the productivity pod, right? So how it relates to increasing their productivity without necessarily working harder, but just being better at their conversations. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Successful conversations are at the intersection of hard and soft skills. They're not like a theory. And um, Richard, I'm sure you've seen this or have this happen in your life where people say, provide feedback. You have to provide feedback. But how do you really do it? How do you make it actionable? And then how do you build up the confidence to actually deliver it? It can be very scary to provide feedback and you know, really daunting to even confront anyone's behavior, if you will. And the reality is, is that it could change the relationship or the trajectory of the business or personal life. This is directly correlated to productivity. It frees you up mentally and physically in many cases to be able to be your best self. So just a quick story as an example, I was at a company and we were doing a 360 and the CHRO provided but to a find for us. And not everybody knows what a 360 is. So oh, sorry. Me. So a 360 is a very interesting feedback mechanism where you're provided feedback from people who are above you, managers, uh, leaders, peers, other you know managers or leaders, or even your employees who are below you. So you're getting a 360 perspective of feedback and the insights could be incredible. And so if you think about it from that context, one of the comments I got from a CHRO who definitely had my back and we had a great relationship was, Ed lacks empathy for his bottom performers. And that's a quote. <laughs> so here I am sitting back and I'm like, I trust this person. I know this person. And I didn't take it as an insult. I took it as like, what do I do with that? <laughs> right? What, right? That's great. I know you have the best intention, but what do I do with that? And at Fierce, that's one of the things that we address is we provide modules that walk you through effective conversations that you need to have, such as confronting. And we do this by building up scripts and then walking you through step-by-step step on how to actually have them. And at the end of the day, you have to have the confidence to actually have them. So we also provide that as well. The vision, Richard, is, is that you're never going to walk away from a situation saying, I should have said this or that, or why didn't I say something? Or even, wow, I could have ran that meeting better. Okay, I understand. Great. Sounds terrific. Is it measurable? Absolutely. The way you would think about conversations and the impact that they would have on your productivity is... Every day you wake up and you think about your toughest challenges and your toughest challenges at the core of it are how you have conversations to address them. And so the measurement is very simple. It's have you addressed your toughest challenges, the things that are causing you angst, the problems that you know are in your business and personal life. And the measurable result, obviously, is your peace of mind, clarity, and how you move forward in a productive way. That's the way we think about the impact of conversations. Okay, I got it. Thank you. That's helpful. I know you've developed some technology that helps individuals learn skills for approaching these difficult conversations. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this. Some training pops up on your calendar and you have to go offline for hours or maybe even days. You go through this training, you're given a lot of material, a lot of theory, a lot of general frameworks. And then after those hours or even those days, you then go back to your day-to-day -day and you're expected then get caught up on your work and then translate this learning into your, you know, what, what you do. It's very difficult to do. I've gone through it many times, mm -hmm. just like I'm sure you have. And so yeah. at Fierce, we identify these pain points for learners as sustainability and application. So sustainability, the way we address that with technology is uh, fairly straightforward. Two months down the line after going through our facilitations or our seminars, you have to confront an employee about something that's timely and very impactful. You go and scramble for your workbooks and your PDFs that you went through in that course. And then, oh, I got to reread these and then figure out how to use it. 
And that's not really how the real world works. So what we've created is a very robust app that you have at your fingertips to address any and all conversations or issues you face in your life. And again, step-by-step walks you through how to build it up, walks you through how to have it, and provides a lot of resource for the confidence to actually have them. And we're also infusing some artificial intelligence elements so that we could actually predict what the most helpful resources would be in your day-to-day. As far as application goes, again, very straightforward. It's instead of theory, how do we provide people the situations that they're going to run into, solutions for the situations they're going to run into, such as like retail employees or nurses, we can't pull them off the front lines or retail employees that can't go off for hours or days at a time. So what we've created is 3D VR simulations. You can access them through the web or even on your phone. They're just like a gaming environment. You're locked in a simulation with avatars. You're an avatar yourself. And you're going through these scenarios and you're choosing the path of the conversation and you're learning from the outcomes. An employee will quit on you. People will become offended. Or conversely, you will get that promotion or build a relationship you never thought possible. This is practice in a safe environment at scale. Accenture has shown that these modalities increase learning retention by 75%. So those are some of the things that we're doing, Richard, and the results so far have been pretty good. Sounds terrific. You were talking in your bio, I was very interested in, you were referring to communities that are less fortunate and how that's a passion for you. Can you talk to that, what you're doing there and how you're helping them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very proud of the work we've done in this space. And we have great partners that we're lucky enough to uh, work with on solutions. If you don't mind, I'd like to share with you my own personal experiences in order to lay a context for what it is we're trying to solve. So as I mentioned, you know, I'm from San Jose, uh, Northern California, I'm Mexican. I've had the opportunity to go to schools in a few different states, as well as work in different states and countries. I can't tell you how many times in a professional context, a professional environment, I've heard things like, wow, you're too tall to be Mexican, or are you sure you're Mexican? Or wow, I thought you were XYZ. Are you mixed? And where are you really from? (laughs) It's just incredible. Some of the things that you run into. And another situation that I ran into, which was interesting, was in, in my younger years, I was in my first professional situation, was highly competitive. And a young counterpart of mine was boasting about how their grandparents were partners at XYZ CPA firm and their parents were this and that. And in and of itself, that would have been fine, right? My insecurities would have popped to the surface and it quickly would have been overcame with, all right, we'll see how that goes, right? But instead, this person turns to me in this group environment amongst all our peers and goes, Ed, what did your grandparents do? So after going through a bunch of feelings, I intensely said, (laughs) intensely is probably an understatement. My grandpa was a school bus mechanic, a garbage man, and at times unemployed. And my grandma was a homemaker and domestic. And (laughs) so that's what my younger self did. But Richard, what these are called are microaggressions. And this Mm -hmm. is where unconscious bias comes to life. In the casual conversations with coworkers, in line at the grocery store, or even at your kids' sporting events. So assuming good intent, the receiver has heard a common theme like this over and over. Oh, Mexicans are short and uneducated or referring to a black employee as articulate. Now, as the receiver of a microaggression, we have a few choices, including responding in anger, which I might have (laughs) I might have done, not saying anything and harboring bad feelings, 
or we can engage in a conversation to provoke learning, bridge gaps, and potentially develop relationships that might not have existed before. And conversely, the giver of a microaggression, instead of getting defensive, it's an opportunity to learn, like, why was that defensive? Or why is this a reference to a common stereotype? Utilizing our simulation technology, which I've just gone over, this is exactly what we're doing. We're creating these safe environments for people to practice and engage in these topics, which wouldn't happen in person. Not going to happen in the classroom, unconscious bias training where everyone's smiling, like, yeah, everything's great. And the beauty of these simulations is, is you get hit redo. You get hit, let me try this. Oh, let me try this again. When we're like, you know, you can't. And with that, we're very fortunate to have partnered with experts in this field, including Kaplan Mowbray, who's a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. And with him, we're creating a spectrum of microaggression simulations like the ones I just mentioned. And another one is Dr. Yasmin Davids. She runs a leadership institute for women out of the University of California. She's created these techniques called being graciously assertive. And what they're meant to do is they're meant to help women with techniques in the workplace so that when they're exhibiting the same behaviors as their male counterparts, they're not labeled as bossy or angry. And we're very proud of this work, Richard, and I appreciate you asking that question. Now, I only imagine that if my younger self had these tools, the outcomes might be very different. I might not be sharing on this call those experiences because I would have engaged in those conversations and learn that there wasn't any ill intent and it would have been an opportunity to enrich the relationship. So in a nutshell, that's some of the stuff we're doing. That sounds great. I can see how that could then convert and transform an organization one by one, I guess, into being more productive and then therefore having better financial results. And you as a finance person, I guess you look at it that way too, putting words in your mouth, but imagine Wow, if we can get everybody to do this, everybody would be working more efficiently, be better communicators, better leaders, and therefore we all make more money and have better lifestyles. Yes, sir. You nailed it. I mean, turnover and toxic relationships are the biggest cost to an organization. You could have the best strategy in the world, the most talented people, but if they're not clicking, if they're not working, if they're not communicating then all that's out the door. And that's just a reality. And I'm sure you've seen it, your listeners have seen it, and I've definitely seen it. <laughs> so, and we believe conversations are at the core of bridging those gaps. When you go into an organization, do you go from the top down or do you go in the middle? What is the typical process an employer would gauge you to increase their productivity? It's a little bit of both, Richard. Typically, there's pain points in an organization that have already been identified an L&D leader or department leader would reach out and say, how would you address these? And that's where we click in and develop programs. Many times, however, there's organizations that want to infuse this deeply into their culture because instead of just the conversation structures, if you will, we have a lot of philosophies in how you show up. As I mentioned, how you tackle your toughest challenges, how you provoke learning. And in many organizations, they've found that it starts at the C-suite, like this is alignment to their strategy. So I'd say probably about 20 to 30% of our largest enterprise clients have us infused at that level. I've been around for a while, and this is a really important topic. Fierce is up there, but how does somebody actually find you? They may identify a problem, but how do they know you exist to help? Them? Yeah, a large part of our business has been through referral. And thankfully, because of that, we've had the opportunity to be infused in Fortune 100 logos. and. Believe it or not, we have a cult following and a lot of people take us, take us with them. 
We've also tried our best to have market awareness, you know, and other social assets. But what we're really trying to do these days, Richard, is work with partners who are out there. Like I mentioned, we're not the DEI experts. There's other people out there. Sorry, diversity, equity, inclusion experts. There's other experts out there, and we believe conversations are at the core of what they're doing, their philosophy. So what the way we're scaling these days is by working on those type of partnerships. And there's other partnerships too that aren't just in DEI. We have a partnership with the author who's really embedded in C-suites of Fortune 10, Fortune 20, Amazon, so on and so forth. And again, as I mentioned, there's a philosophy, as I mentioned, give feedback or you can't create a toxic culture and all that stuff is great. But then how do you do it? How do you infuse it in your organization? And that's where we come in. Got it. Great. So as you know, the landscape has changed dramatically over the last year, right? Chiefly, how do we communicate and how communication has changed as an expert in conversations and all the Zoom boxes we're in? Is there any tips that you could add to adapt your strategies within an organization in this environment that we live in and hopefully coming out of soon? Absolutely, Richard. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to chuckle, but yeah, every time I hear a Zoom, it kind of uh, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. It's an interesting modality. What's really interesting is that I actually just published an article through Forbes around this topic. The reality is, is that the transition for us at Fierce was seamless. And the reason for that is because our focus is on conversations to drive results that doesn't change in a work environment, whether it's remote or whether it's in person. What the article talks about is, is the infamous quote unquote FaceTime as a value of measure in an office environment, which, you know, it's really just button seats, right? Oh, this person's here from nine to five or the emphasis is on time. But with us believing in conversations, that isn't how we measure or look at our people. So for us, it was a natural transition. If you're focused on the results, you give your employees that autonomy and you measure results, not on the perception of work hours, but on outcomes. And at Fierce, we believe in this so deeply, Richard, that we have unlimited PTO. And this is true even before the pandemic. We have flexible work hours and remote work was already a part of our DNA because of that focus on results and the fact that we believe conversations was that connecting point. And my advice to our listeners or anyone out there making this hard transition would be don't focus on hours or working evenings or working weekends. I came up hearing that constantly. It's like a badge of honor. I think that's a mistake. I think you have to focus on or I advise you focusing on the impact that you're making on your customers. And that's what you want to permeate uh, through your organization. And from a productivity perspective, you can't beat it. Productivity, again, I'm just going to underscore this, isn't sitting in a seat at a desk from nine to five or whatever it happens to be. If you had one tip, two tips that you could give based upon your experience, the fierce methodology. Tell us, what would it be? Absolutely. And uh, Richard, this is me rehashing what we've talked about, but it's really tackle your toughest challenges. You know where your biggest issues are. You wake up, you feel it, tackle them. At the core of that is using conversations to address them. Do that today, do that now, and I guarantee you this is going to culminate in deeper relationships and the outcomes you desire in your life. And it's going to be freeing, liberating, and I guarantee your productivity will pop. Terrific. Thank you. And thank you for being on the Productivity Pod. Thank you, Richard, for having me. And thank you, everyone. My pleasure. Now it's time for Smart Seconds. 
This is the part of the show where I'll be sharing tips, themes, and ideas of how you can work smarter today. Today, I want to explore chapter three of my new book, Work Smart Now, Absenteeism and Presenteeism. Most people know what absenteeism. It's simply the time away from work for whatever reason, sometimes personal, sometimes illness. Presenteeism is actually more insidious and even 10 times worse for the corporation because you can't see it. It's being at work, basically, and not being present, not being engaged. And you can be fully satisfied at work and not be engaged. That's really the difference between the two. Now, how can you measure these? Well, absenteeism is actually quite easy to measure. And you can even measure the improvements of it. And that's important, too, because you want to base metrics where you start to measure absenteeism and you have records when people are absent. And then when you improve on productivity through engagement, wellness, technology, optimizing workday, which is all part and in the book, that absenteeism metric will actually go down, which will increase revenue and thus productivity. Presenteeism is a lot harder. That can only be measured really through surveys and engagement and honest feedback from individuals. Very hard to measure, but you can and you should in order to make your organization stronger, more productive, and then increase revenue and profits. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Productivity Pod. I hope this episode has left you motivated with a few more tools to work smarter now. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thank you very much.